Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 767. And uh, we went off to France to make a movie without a script, uh, hoping they could piece something together. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am so excited to introduce a very special guest, Don Nunley. Hey, Don, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. Drop the flag. Let's go. All right, cool. Don Nunley spent much of his career in the film industry with credits as a property master, set director, and production designer. He's been a member of the Motion Picture Academy of Arts and Sciences since 1977 and worked on films including Save the Tiger, Little Big Man, Deer Hunter, and with that guy named Steve McQueen on that movie called Le Mans that we all know so well. He started the first product placement agency and placed products including Tom Cruise's Ray-Ban sunglasses in Top Gun and that Coors beer can in E.T., responsible for letting the extraterrestrials have a little too much libation. His latest venture is a new book he co-authored with Marshall Terrell titled Steve McQueen, Lamar in the Rearview Mirror. It's a behind-the-scenes look at the story about the iconic film, including many unseen photos from the making of that classic film. And Don, who wrote the book, was the property manager on the Lamont film. So he was there experiencing the ride of his life. And one lucky Cars Yes subscriber is going to win a copy of this awesome book. I have my own copy here. Compliments of Don and the fine publishers at Dalton Watson Fine Books. So Don, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your history your career, and of course, your interest and passion for automobiles. Thank you, Mark. My history is I got in the film business when I was 20 years old, and I actually followed my father into the business, although he wasn't real excited about that because he didn't want me to experience the incredible long hours, the time away from home, the egos of the people you work with. I don't know what he wanted me to do, but he was wrong. I really enjoyed my career. I had 30 years making films and another 10 years in my product placement business. Very, very cool. You know, this is so exciting to me because for a lot of us who are not in filmmaking, there's this glamour to films because we see the end product, but you're there during all the painful parts of the making of the film. And looking through the book that you've written along with Marshall Tyrrell, there was a lot of pain in the making of the movie Lamar. And it, the interesting thing I, I read in your uh, introduction was at the end, there wasn't even a cast party or a champagne cork popped. Everybody just kind of slipped away. Like, I'm so glad that that's over. So we're going to learn a lot more about that. We're going to learn, of course, a lot about your book. But first, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. This is a nice way to, to get those inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So Don, take the wheel. Well, I'm going to say that perhaps the person I admired the most growing up was John Wooden, the famous basketball coach at UCLA. I got to know him personally. I went to, had season tickets for 44 years. And he had so many amazing quotes of his own, but I kind of came up with one of my own thinking of him. And I just want to say the quote I created is it doesn't hurt to try something that you don't know anything about because you'll learn. 
So my mom bought me a book of quotes by him when I was, I think back when I was in college might have been. Mm -hmm. So it's been a little while and I've kept it all these years and then handed it down to my children. What an inspirational guy. And I really love the fact that his inspiration had you creating your own quote. How have you applied that quote into this particular book project? Well, I think John emphasized don't quit. Uh, even when you feel like it's not, it's way above you, you can attain that goal if you just don't quit. Absolutely. And is this your first book? It is my first book. Yes. Wow. Wow. Well, bravo to you. Kudos to you for producing a book of this stature. I mean, this, this book is, I think we said it and we, we were chatting last night, uh, before, uh, he called in this, Don called in this morning. I think this book weighs like four pounds. Is that what you said? Four pounds. Yeah, yeah, it's a heavy book. So uh, there's so much cool information in that. Would you share with us, what was your goal in writing this book? And again, I'll remind our listeners, it's titled Steve McQueen, Lamar in the Rear View Mirror. Take us to that point in time when you decided that this was a story about something that happened to you in your life that you really wanted to tell. You know, I think a lot of people write books that they don't intend to write, mainly from encouragement from other people. I ended up as property master. You end up with a lot of stuff from the movie, insignificant stuff or valuable stuff. It happened on this film. I bought the watches from the Hoyer company that were used in the movie that turned out to be quite significant. Yes. In fact, one sold last year. Are you sitting down? I am. One sold last year for almost $700,000. What? Uh, yes. Oh and unfortunately, God. it wasn't me that sold it. I was going to say, are you the guy that held on to it all this time, but somebody else cut their hand? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, pretty amazing. But I sold some of the uh, leftover stuff, uh, decals, my script, my original script, to a collector in, in California, Mike Eisenberg. And Mike is a big McQueen fan. And, of course, he'd read uh, other books by Marshall Troyal about McQueen, and he knew Marshall. So he suggested that I write a book because I told him I had a lot of photographs I'd taken during the course of making the movie. And uh, I kind of shrugged it off. But all of a sudden, he had Marshall give me a phone call. And uh, since I was in Phoenix for the winter, Marshall lives in Phoenix. We got together. And after meeting Marshall, I, I had already become a fan of his. I'd read some of his books before I knew who Marshall Terrell was. The book on McQueen, the book on Pete Maravich, Pistol Pete. And uh, I loved his writing. So the medium was a thrill. And then have him so enthusiastic about this project, it got me enthusiastic. I showed him some of my pictures and he was excited because these were my pictures. They hadn't been published before. And as you know, there's a huge interest in Le Mans and Steve McQueen. Right. Ah, absolutely fantastic. I'm so happy you took this on. And again, I'll, t I'll tell our listeners this book for your first effort, your first time out. Absolutely fantastic. So you obviously had uh, some great support and used uh, all your skills and memory skills from, from those uh, challenging times on the set, which leads me to my next question about challenges. I would love for you to take us down that road, that Lamar road, and talk to us about the challenges you faced in writing this book and maybe some of the challenges that you faced when you were there on set. Because we've all heard a lot of stories about how incredibly challenged that movie was in so many, many aspects. So I'm sure there's one challenge you can pick out of your hat from probably a whole bunch that are in there. So take us down there and tell us about that. Well, the challenge for me in writing the book was racking my memory and coming up with the stories that I vaguely remembered. Then I rethought about them. Um, I kept pretty good records on that movie. I had files, a lot of pictures. Of course, I had the movie itself. Uh, there's been a lot written about the film and about Steve. 
And I realized that my stories were unique. Um, they were from an angle nobody had told them before. There haven't been many books by a prop master from that angle of a movie making. And um, it seemed like a natural. So anyhow, it was the challenge was to think it through, do a lot of research, make sure my, my memories were correct. And then it turned out that the story I thought was quite, a, quite interesting for most people. Explain to our listeners, what is exactly the role of a property master on a film? Okay, well, to sum it up, because it's, it's quite unique, I think. You're one of the first ones hired on the company, sometimes by the director, sometimes with the um, assistance of an actor who's worked with you, sometimes a producer. But you're hired early, 8, 10, 12 weeks before production starts, mainly because you have a lot of research to do. I don't care how knowledgeable you are about other sub subjects, the picture you're about to do, you probably know nothing about. And that was the case with Le Mans. When I was asked to do Le Mans, I explained to the head of production at Cinema Center Films, I knew nothing about that kind of racing. And he said, don't worry, you'll learn. <laughs> and he was, he was right. <laughs> he was right. You'll learn. Yeah. yeah, you probably learned a lot more than you ever wanted to learn about Le Mans, about Steve McQueen and the production of a film that is was so challenging. I mean, they tried so many new, unique things on that film that had never been done before. It's a blessing we did it in 1970 because we were doing it real-time live, not computer-generated. Everything, every shot in the film is a live shot. Steve did most of his own driving uh, with cameras sometimes mounted in his face uh, at 220 miles an hour down the Malzane Strait. He was certainly a talented race driver. But the camera mounts that they made for the film were very unique. Uh, Galen Sch Schultz was the key grip. And he started out in Brian's Hatch in England with our 908 Porsche that the company had bought and experimented mounting cameras on that car and then mounted three Airflex cameras on the race car. And then we entered it into the race. Uh, we had to go through all the inspections, all the weight requirements, all the balance and the car past inspection, and we actually ran it in the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Oh, you know, that that part of the story to me is absolutely incredible because now they got these little cameras they put on cars, GoPros, and even the smaller cameras on Formula One cars, race cars, no big deal. But Panflex cameras, those things are big. They were good size. Yeah. Um, we put one forward and two aft, and they were put on with quick mounts, similar to the way a tire's mounted. And so when we came in for a pit stop, they would – unmount the cameras, put new cameras on with, you know, the lenses were clean, the magazines were full, and send them off again, and then clean the cameras, reload the cameras, make sure everything is ready for the next pit stop. It was quite a process. And actually, our car was one of 17 that finished the race out of 55. That's even more incredible. I mean, so many attrition in that race, especially back in those days, was very high because reliability on those race cars was not very high. But the fact that your car finished with that extra weight, all those extra added things having to be done, holy cow, absolutely phenomenal. And Mark, we finished second in our class. Yes, I, I remember reading that, which is, it's almost unfathomable. So there were so many pieces of the puzzle that could have gone wrong in so many ways and detoured you guys, but you all persevered. And I think perseverance is a key word when it comes to that film. You're right. Um, the problem with the film was the film went into turnaround from Warner Brothers, meaning they no longer wanted to make it for some reason. It fell into the laps of Cinema Center, and they thought they'd died and gone to heaven because they all of a sudden inherited Steve McQueen with a racing movie after Bullet, 
they thought they had a no-brainer. The only problem, the thing they overlooked is they didn't have a script. Ouch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so they wanted a director they thought that could handle McQueen, work with McQueen, which was John Sturgis, who had done two of Steve's biggest pictures, uh, Magnificent Seven and The Great Escape. And so they knew they could work together. And uh, we went off to France to make a movie without a script, uh, hoping they could piece something together. Well, it never really happened. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's almost unimaginable to do a major motion picture and start it without a script. I mean, it's just incredible. Again, different times, different era, and different adventures. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a story where you had an aha moment with this project, this book project, a time when I like to say those headlights come on and kind of illuminate the mole saying straight for you. Mm -hmm. How did that aha moment help make this book a reality? Well, for me, it's clear. The first time I met with Marshall Terrell, uh, as I said, I was already a fan, and his enthusiasm was, let's do this book. Plus, he had already had a, a connection with the publisher. He'd made he'd published two other books with him, one called The King of Cool about Steve and one that Barbara McQueen did. So they had a good relationship. And for a first time author to find a publisher who ha- your co-author has a relationship with, that's like a manna from heaven. Yes. So uh, that the fact that we probably would get the book published if we wrote it was let's do it. Nice. Well, what makes this book so special for you, and what are you particularly proud of with this project? Well, I'm proud of the book in general. It's a beautiful book. They did a wonderful job of printing it. I have over 260 of my own photographs in the book that I shot during the production uh, that were 35-millimeter slides that they were able to rescan and clean, and they, they look marvelous in the book. I'm amazed at how well they turned out. I'm proud of that. I think it's a very readable story. It's telling the story from a perspective that I've always felt was important in movie making, the prop master's perspective. Since my father was a prop master and he did he did it back in the days before they gave prop masters any credit on the film. He never got his name on a movie. He did movies like like Spartacus and The Ugly American and The Warlords and Francis the Talking Mule and Mom Paquette, all those great films. Never got his name on one. So nowadays you negotiate all that yourself. And uh, I wanted to be sure that I represented this end of the industry to the layman, and they can learn a little more about filmmaking, to the McQueen fans who will learn something more about Steve, and to racing fans. So I think it covers the basis. Oh, absolutely. And having a copy in my hands here, and again, one lucky Cars yes subscriber is going to get a copy. And I'll remind you, the way you become a Cars yes subscriber is go to the website, carsyeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send you my free filler up book. It's a book I designed and created with photographs I took of very cool fuel filler caps. I know that sounds goofy and funny, but they are pretty darn cool. Most of them are classic cars and race cars. Just go there, click on that button, and you will subscribe. I'll send you my weekly blog, and your name will be in the hat for a drawing that we'll do a little bit later this upcoming week. So it gives people some time to subscribe. So uh, make sure you go and subscribe because you're going to want a copy. And what's really cool about this book to me is what Don has done and what the publishers have done and the layout artists have done is the pictures are big. They're not just little tiny pictures. There's some glorious spreads, some two-page spreads. So uh, you should be very proud of those photographs that you took that little did you know way back then that they would end up in print on a page sometimes. So document what you're doing, folks, because someday it could come to something like this. Is there anything about the book you would have done a little differently? You know, I don't think so. In looking at it in retrospect, uh, 
took two years to finish the project. Took six months just to caption the pictures. Oh, my goodness. To make sure the information was all correct. And I think the captions are a real highlight of the book. They're well done and they're well placed. Uh, it's not too confusing like some books are. So I think I'm very proud of the artwork. Jody Ellis, our layout artist, was terrific to work with. Yeah. And uh, between her and uh, Glenn, the publisher, and uh, my co-writer, Marshall, it was, it was really a, a wonderful experience. Well, the results are really cool, and I'm a designer uh, by trade. My career is before this, so I really appreciate well-designed books because there's a lot of books out there that could have looked so much better. <laughs> I guess I'm a critique when it comes to that, but the way this book was laid out in design, and like I mentioned, the large photos, the great captions, everybody on the team did a really nice job. Is there another book maybe in the future for you? Well, every movie I did, I worked on over 30 Hollywood projects, uh, has a story. A lot of them are interesting. Uh, I think people, when I tell them at parties, they seem to gather around like they're interested. So I've been encouraged to write another book. And I'm now um, looking at that seriously. It, it would be something that would take a while because I would try to encompass the rest of my career in a book. So obviously it wouldn't be as detailed as this one is. But I think it's something that might happen. Behind the Scenes with Don Nunley, a Hollywood legend. I like it. I like it. So. <laughs> Well, you added the legend. <laughs> well, you are a legend in my mind, Don. You know, I think the, the unsung heroes that are behind the scenes in movies or any type of project are really the ones that uh, it couldn't happen without them. So uh, I'm so glad and I'm so kind of sad your father's name never got up on the screen because the work that's involved to, you know, the, the actors come out. Yeah, they do some hard work and they all the people around them. I watch some of these films credits and they run for 10 minutes. and I'm like. All these people, all their lives involved in this film, it, it's amazing to me. I think that's a good point, Mark, is that people go to a theater and sit there for an hour and a half, two hours in the dark, chew their popcorn, and are entertained or not. But it's two hours out of their life, a good experience or not. For me, this film was seven months, and other films were longer. So if it doesn't turn out well, you know you've had seven months of your life that might have been better spent. So I always try to make point or look at the pictures. How was my job? Did I do my job well? And I'm very proud of the of the way the props work in this picture, as I am in some other pictures I did. Little Big Man was a great example of being able to do it right with Arthur Penn as a director. So if you have the right team around you and give you the leeway and the and the money to do it, you can do it right. It just takes a little effort. Right. Little Big Man with Dustin Hoffman, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah, I remember Dustin that. Dustin Hoffman Faye Dunaway, Chief Dan George, Martin Balsam is a good good movie. Yeah, very unique movie, too, for the time, for sure. Is there a favorite author that you have that really has inspired you, that continues to inspire you today? Well, I'm going to mention a name that I'm sure a lot of your, a lot of your listeners have never heard. Neville Shute. I really like Neville Shute's work. On the Beach, uh, Town Like Alice. Let's see, what are some of his other books? Oh, The uh, Trustee from the Tool Room. Those are names that you might want to jot down. Very entertaining. He wrote books with great stories, very readable, and few villains. So they're really nice books. I like um, Stephen Ambrose, a Band of Brothers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was terrific. And I think uh, Undaunted Courage was his. So I like historical books. So th th those are the kind of books I, I tend to read. I always liked history, and it probably helped me in my job. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, having to do all the research that you have to do. Well, Don, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right. 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer an ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at carsyeah.com. Okay, Don, we are back and we're entering the last lap and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. I will try. Okay. What's the best book writing advice you ever received? Once you have the idea and start, don't stop. <laughs> yes. Kind of like being in a race. <laughs> it's easy to quit anything, but I think uh, it, it, just stay with it. And I'm sure everybody says that, but that's what I would certainly say. Well, you know, it's funny. I just had a guest uh, on yesterday who's a filmmaker herself, Faith Granger, and she said something very similar. She took on creating her first film. She had no history of cinematography or anything. She wrote, produced, directed the film, and she said, I could have given up so many times and my life would have gotten so much easier, but I just couldn't. I just didn't. And I think that your comments are a tribute to that as well. Never, ever give up. Just keep trying. Just keep plowing through. And you know what? At the end, you'll have something you're very proud of or something that maybe you're not proud of, but you learn some great lessons and you can take those forward to the next item that you work on. Could you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute with your ability to complete this project and also for your career? I think tenacity. I don't ever, if I start something, I finish it. I'm inquisitive. I 
try to learn. Uh, every film I've done has been a different subject. I mean, I've done two or three westerns: a man called Return of a Man Called Horse, Little Big Man, a little picture called Dirty Little Billy, which you may have never heard of. Michael J. Pollard uh, westerns. Um, I worked on a lot of western TV shows: The Rifleman, uh, Tales of the Plainsman, The Wagon Train. You know, I think I in school I wasn't a great a good great student because I was dyslexic. And that gave me the drive to try harder. Ah. So by being a dyslexic, and I've read about a lot of other dyslexics that were, that were quite successful. Tom Cruise has his scripts read to him, um, Einstein. So I wasn't alone, and that gave me courage to say, you can achieve if you stick with it. Yeah. And um, I, I tried hard, and everything I did, I always put a little extra effort into it. I think that was secret to my success. You know, this is very interesting to me because I've had many, many guests on the show that come from creative industries and fields who ch are challenged with dyslexia. And my sister, who teaches special education, just shared a book with me, and I'll put it on uh, your show notes page. And I apologize. I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but the book talks about people who are dyslexic have a very unique talent to use both left, right side of their brain and picture things in three-dimensional form which a lot of people can't do that. It's like an architect. Architects have the ability to see things in three dimensions that a lot of people just see as flat drawings. So very interesting that you shared that with me. And I've had so many guests that are artists and I even say writers, believe it or not, they've gotten help in that respect. But because of the way their brain works differently than other people's brains, that adds something that typically you would say was a difficulty, but in one way, it makes you stronger in another area. I totally agree, Mark. And there's another book you might want to mention called The, the Gift of Dyslexia. Speaking about books, let's talk a little bit about that book you just mentioned. I like to ask my guests for a favorite book. Of course, your book is my new favorite book. Tell me a little bit of that, what you know about the gift of dyslexia, because it's an interesting way to talk about what's typically thought of as a great challenge. Well, I'm 78 years old now. When I went to school, nobody knew about dyslexia. They thought two things. You're either stupid or you weren't trying. They didn't give that other possibility. There could be a, something going on in your brain. Right. So because of that, you learn to take care of your problems by uh, volunteering where something you know you can do, uh, public speaking, for instance, if you could get up and give a talk about something instead of read it. Um, so you learn ways around the handicap. Uh, as I got older and realized that other people had this same problem, it wasn't just me, and I wasn't stupid, uh, that I could actually achieve, um, then I read about this book, The uh, gift of dyslexia. And it talks about some very famous people overcoming this problem. Of course, nowadays in school, it's recognized and they work with kids. And thank goodness they do, because the, the talent that might be lost by being afraid mm -hmm. uh, of that, because I was terrified as a kid in school, they'd call on me to read uh, or, or writing. I always knew the answers to the tests, but I couldn't write them well. Ah. And I would get a D when the person sitting next to me had asked me the answers. <laughs> oh, there you <laughs> go. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, I don't even mean to laugh at that because I can't begin to imagine the challenges as a child when you're trying to figure out why can't I get this in the way that my friends are getting it. I'm a smart guy. I can figure this out. So uh, I'm so happy that you shared that book and you shared this uh, challenge that you've had in your life. You've obviously looked at it in a different way and worked around it. So uh, kudos to you and all those folks out there that uh, have to deal with this and find ways to work around it. Fantastic. And I'll make sure I list that book on your show notes page on your 
page on the Karja website. What kind of resources did you use in uh, writing this book? Because obviously you were the greatest resource and you talked about having to tap into your memory. And we all know that when you have to think back in time, your memory isn't always the best recollection of how things really happen. So what kind of resources did you tap into? Well, Mark, there's another example. Because of the dyslexia, I've got a good memory. Ah. Uh, because when I'd read a script all the way through my career, it would take me three times as long to read it as it would somebody else, but I didn't forget it. I could almost read the script once and throw it away. So going back in over these uh, years, I, I can visualize and remember things that probably other people would have thrown away as unimportant. That, that was a big help. That and the fact the movie is there to look at. Marshall has uh, written a couple other books on Steve which also triggered a lot of stuff. I've been able to fill in some of the blanks on Steve's life and especially this period in his life. I think the the publisher was very helpful in, in encouraging us to go ahead and do the book. He was a resource into how a book is done. Of course, Marshall was too. But the movie itself, my photographs, my my records I kept, and uh, my memory. And it's it seems to have worked out very well because I fact-checked everything I could, every name. You know, I, I got to have a pretty good relationship with a lot of the drivers, uh, Joe Sefford, Derek Bell, Brian Redman, Jackie X, Pedro Rodriguez. Wow. All those great guys. I didn't even know who they were a month before I started the movie. And yet I, I remember them well. I remember what they did. I remember who won the race at Spa that year. It was a great experience. Yeah, absolutely. I'll remind our listeners, too, that I had Chad McQueen, Steve's son on Cars Yeah! last year. You can go back and listen to his show on his show notes page. And he talks a lot about being an eight, nine-year-old little boy being there on set. You probably saw him running around oh, back, yes. back in the day. And, of course, uh, there's been a documentary film produced about the making of that movie as well. So you can uh, find all those great resources. And the book is available right now, correct? Correct. You can find it now on DaltonWatsonFineBooks.com. Mm -hmm. You can find it on Amazon. And um, it's been available now for about three weeks, I believe. Yeah, brand new book. It's just out. And again, I'll encourage you to get your hands on a copy. And if you're one of those, uh, that lucky subscriber that wins a copy, we'll send you a copy. Compliments of Don and the fine people at Dalton Watson Books. They make and produce some fantastic books. Go to their website. I'll put a link there as well on Don's show notes page. They produce some of the finest books available. All right, we're up to the checkered flag. Now that you know all about racing, you're a pro at Lamar. You know what the checkered flag means. If there's one singular message you'd like for our readers to get out of enjoying this book. Again, Steve McQueen, Lamar in the rearview mirror. What would that message be? Enjoyment. Uh, I think if you buy this book, you probably already have some interest in Steve in Lamar's and in movie making. And I think by reading this book, you'll be a little better informed about all three. I think we achieved what we set out to do. Uh, it's a beautiful book. It's one you're I think, proud to leave out on your coffee table. It's designed for that, but I think it'll, it'll probably find a place there for at least a few months. And I think you can pick it up time and time again and find something new in it. Absolutely. It is going to be on my coffee table. It's on my desk right now. It'll have a very proud spot in my uh, automotive library, which is growing with all the great past authors, guests I've had here on Cars. Yeah. Don, you've taken us on an awesome ride today, an awesome ride around the Lamar track. And I want to thank you for sharing your incredible journey with us. And I want to thank you for sharing your time with us today. Is there one parting piece of guidance or wisdom you might offer us before you rip off down the Molsane Strait? <laughs> well, Live to be at least 78 years old. That way you'll have time to do at least one book. Yes. And hopefully I'll get another one in. 
I, I just say again, I hope this book pleases you. I'd love to hear back if you've read the book and what you think of it, or if you have any criticism, because it was a first time adventure for me. And uh, I'm getting great feedback. It makes me feel very proud and very happy. Absolutely. And what's the best way for our listeners to reach out to you? Well, if they want to know more about me personally, if they go to IMDB, if you spell that out, it's Internet Movie Database. And look under my name. It'll show my whole movie career. I think the book is even on there now. And uh, it'll talk about the films I did, who directed the film, who starred in the film. It'll give you all kinds of wonderful information. It's a wonderful website for people who like movies or want to fact check themselves when they're bragging about knowing about a movie. If our uh, readers that get their hands on your book want to reach out and give you some accolades or ask you questions, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, I'll give you my email address. Awesome. I don't have a problem with that. It's uh, the number one and then O-N-A-F-L-Y. Number one, on a fly, and then at Gmail. I'm a fly fisherman. Ah, okay. That's what that means. All right. I thought you meant kind of like on the fly, racing down the roadway, but uh, I understand that. Unfortunately for your show, no, this is just fishing. (laughs) Nothing wrong with fishing. Well, again, listeners, uh, I will make sure that I post all of this information on Don's show notes page on the Cars Yeah website carsyad.com. Just type Don Nunley, N-U-N-L-E-Y is how Don spells his last name. And you'll find his show. You'll find everything we posted there. And again, one lucky Cars Yad subscriber is going to get a copy of this very cool book. Steve McQueen, Lamar in the rearview mirror, compliments of Don and the publishers at Dalton Watson. So go to the Cars Yad website, click on the free book button. I'll send you my free filler up book and you could be a winner. Don, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your incredible experiences with the Cars Yow listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. It's really been my pleasure and really a pleasure getting to know you. Thank you. This has been a great fun time. I really appreciate you being a guest on the show. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Cars Yeah.